You are listening to Love Maine Radio, hosted by Dr. Lisa Belisle and recorded at the studios of Maine Magazine in Portland. Dr. Lisa Belisle is a writer and physician who practices family medicine and acupuncture in Brunswick, Maine. Show summaries are available at lovemainradio.com. Here are some highlights from this week's program. For me, when I was early, when I was young in my earlier years, I was exposed to such a variety of music at a very young age that I think for me that kept my mind open and kept an appreciation for for music that um, uh, that, I, that, I, you know, that I'll always maintain. We are tomorrow's generation. We have ideas to offer to the world to 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 grow and to just to make this world a better place. There's a lot of bad things going on and kids don't really have a good platform to express themselves and say, no, these are the things that I want to change. Usually it's adults like who are in charge of these groups, who are giving the rules, okay, we're doing this today, and Gift Show Watch is a place where kids can just be like, okay, I have this idea, how can we make it come to reality? Gift Show Wazo is youth, the youth's imagination meeting reality. That's how I would describe it. This is Dr. Lisa Belial, and you are listening to Love Main Radio, show number 288, Community Connectors, airing for the first time on Sunday, March 26, 2017. Within our community, we are fortunate to have people who are particularly good at making and maintaining connections with others. Today, we speak with Mark Curdo, who has hosted a yearly markathon to benefit the Center for Grieving Children since 2008. We also speak with musician Isaiah Taylor and David Tete, founder of Keshawazu. Thank you for joining us. Love Main Radio is brought to you by Berlin City Honda, where the car buying experience is all about easy. After all, Life is complicated enough, and buying a car shouldn't be. That's why the Berlin City Honda team goes the extra mile by pre-discounting all their vehicles and focus their efforts on being open, honest, and all about getting you on the road. In fact, Berlin City recently won the 2015 Women's Choice Award, a strong testimony to their ability to deliver a different kind of car buying experience. Berlin City Honda of Portland. Easy. It's how buying a car should be. Go to BerlinCityHondaMe.com for more information. Love Main Radio is also brought to you by Aristel, a lingerie boutique on Exchange Street in Portland's Old Port, where every body is seen as a work of art and beauty is celebrated from the inside out. Shop with us in person or online at Aristel.com. Tickets for Maine Live, a day of insightful talks by the business and creative people shaping the future of our state, are on sale now. Join host Dr. Lisa Belisle and 14 mesmerizing speakers for a day that will inspire conversation and connection. This fourth Maine Live is on Thursday, March 30th at USM's Abramson Center. Go to mainliveevent.com for more information and to purchase your tickets. It is my great pleasure to have with me in the studio today, Mark Curdo. Mark Curdo has been hosting Markathon, his annual week-long radio show fundraiser for the Center for Grieving Children since 2008. He now runs creative branding and promotions for Shipyard Brewing Company and hosted his ninth Markathon this past December. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. Thanks. And thanks for having a name that really lends itself to a thon. Like, I think about Lisa Thon. It doesn't have the same thing. Truth be told, I, I never would have, I didn't come up with that name. I never would have. I, you know, that's not like me to. You're too humble for that. Uh, yeah. And I don't know if it's it's right to say that, you know, something you did was a humble move. It's not humble to say you did something, I don't right? It's, I, I yeah, someone else came up with that name. 
That's okay. Yeah. It's all right. I mean, just the idea of what it was all about. And someone said, hey, how about like Markapalooza or Markathon? But and you're it, into branding, so now you can understand why it's an important thing. That's that's it. And, you know, it's, it's if, if it ain't me, it ain't happening, I guess. You know, it's tough to have a Markathon without the, without the mark involved, of the thon. So, yeah. So that, that's kind of kept me locked in a little bit, too, you know? Well, tell me about the Center for Grieving Children. Why did that become important to you? Well, um, when putting the, the the benefit together at first, you know, my um, thought was, you know, working in radio at the time, full time, um, using the power, the gift that radio has to reach people to uh, be so impactful, um, to really use it for, for good. Um, there's charity things that radio and media does but it just seems sometimes like it's it's ho-hum and it's just kind of by the book and it's just two hours you know on a saturday afternoon at the american red cross that's great but it just seems like it's just kind of going you know by the book i wanted to do something that was kind of big and really stopped the town you know literally um so uh came up kind of the idea of of what it would be i i pitched you know just kind of like in studio lock myself in type of thing and after about a year of back and forth uh, with with my boss, we, we we locked it down, and then the, the thought was, okay, so now who's this going to benefit? And I mean, there's just so many great causes around here. You know, there's so uh, so many great charities benefits. Um, you know, my thought was this would be best to maybe help an organization that needs a little bit of that extra push that people sort of know but not really on a massive level. And it was suggested to me by Herb Ivey, who's my boss over at the radio station, uh, have you heard of the Center for Grieving Children? And I, the name I'd heard, but I didn't know much about it. So I looked into it, did some investigation on it, and instantly I was like, we, this has got to be it. You know, for me, the connection was, instantly was that I've been fortunate to have my family growing up, not losing you know, it's just myself and my folks, but having my parents still to this day, um, I don't, I couldn't understand what these people were going through, losing a child, losing a parent, brother, sister, grandparent. So, for me, this was my way of showing how appreciative I was to to, to have my family intact and to be able to grow and and live with them, um, and support these these people that, you know, when they have a loss like this, they don't know what to do or which way to which way to move. Um, and um, and that's that, that's really the the basic gist of it is just I guess more appreciation rather than really understanding what they're going through. Well, I understand that I've for years I've donated to the Maine Children's Cancer Program, the Center for Grieving Children, other organizations that I have never really needed and feel grateful that I don't need them, and I'm not kind of knocking on wood. You know, virtually, because I, I think it's it's the idea that there's just a pain that I have no access to, mm-hmm. and I I'm so glad yeah. that thus far I haven't. Yeah. So tell me about the markathon itself. What? Mm-hmm. So you lock yourself in a studio? Yeah. So I mean, it's and it's a great opportunity for me to be able to just not leave the radio station for five days and be able to play all kinds of music. So there's 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 a selfish angle to it too, just loving music. Um, so basically, um, I'm in the radio station for five days straight. I'm in the studio for 102 hours. Um, I'm on the air 21 hours a day, live, um, and 
people can call in and request anything they want to hear. So the format for the radio station WCYY is out the window that week. So you can request Neil Diamond, Chuck Berry, Metallica, Beethoven, whatever it is. Uh, but as long as you make a donation to the center. So, um, so you know, pay to play. Essentially that week it's legal. So, uh, but, you know, aside from the music, it's also five days that people get to hear about the center and its services because they really serve a host of, of, uh, of different concerns and cares for, for families going through loss. Um, um, they, uh, they have a widow widowers group. Um, they have uh, their, their multicultural program, you know, helping folks coming, uh, coming to the country who are leaving war-torn countries and situations that uh, we can't even think of coming here and having to live and, and, and deal with their situation here. So they, um, they deal with a whole different variety of things. So that week is, is not only fundraising is hugely important, um, but it's getting the word out about what these services can do for folks. Um, the services are free uh, for as long as people need them and for whenever they need them because people grieve in different ways and at different times. So um, some people uh, have a loss. They might not really start their grieving process for five years, ten years. Um, so the center is there to assist them when that time is there and without cost and without concern of having to pay another bill. Um, so uh, we do that and um, you know, we have families come in and speak a little bit about their experience there. I pre-record a, you know, a whole bank of, of interviews ahead of time to run throughout the week because it's a long week and it's the only thing that's on the air. It's just the music that these people are choosing when they donate and these conversations and businesses that come in as well too to, to support the cause. So it's a long week but um, you know it's it's been a been an amazing an amazing nine years so far, especially to hear each year hearing from people that have been listening to it along the way, and who have come to need the services of the center. You know, hear from someone, oh, I've been listening to it for years, and you know, last year we we needed to go to the center. You know, we lost my child, we lost our our mother or whatever, our brother sister, and we needed the services of the center. And if I hadn't listened for years, I might not have known about this place. So. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's with me for good now at this point. It's, it's, you know, I hear about it, you know, from people all the time and, and that, that's, that's a good thing. You know, it's good to know that, that it's, um, made an impact in, in all kinds of ways. It sounds like it requires some advanced planning if you're doing interviews ahead of time and bringing people (laughs) into the studio. Yeah. I spend about, I spend probably about a good two months of solid prep for the week for the one week um, and I'd be I'd be uh, uh, you know, I, I should say it's even more than that I mean it leading into it is I a couple of years ago we came up with a auction component to add to it so we have a website where people can bid on items autographed items experiences tickets all kinds of things gift certificates uh, and the money goes to the center so it's kind of like a online auction that plays throughout the week so a couple three years ago I started pulling items together for that and that's become a major part of it you know this last year alone the web page for the auction raised I think over twelve thousand dollars just on those items alone so that kind of that kind of puts me uh, in another place every year of having to get as much of that as possible to get these items and these things that people will find uh, enjoyable to, to bid on to support the center so um, that and yeah interviewing the families setting up guests 
um, you know everything you hear on the air throughout the week I, I uh, you know I produce and I uh, orchestrate and, and do all the work in the radio station so it's um but you know the time flies like when you love doing something you know so those two months fly and next thing you know the week is over you know um, but uh, it's enjoyable it's enjoyable how much have you managed to raise um, as of this past past year, last year was our biggest year yet. Each year, luckily, um, it, it's increased. And that's the one thing, being this close to doing this kind of charity work, um, something that continues year after year, the one thing I've noticed is that, you know, you monitor how it comes along year after year, which I kind of want to stay away from. I just, because all I can do is what I do, you know, and, and, and the results are sometimes out of my out of my grips and I can only just do my work but as it goes on you you have to, you you kind of you follow the numbers and and each year for me it's it's like can we at least beat last year that's just the one thing you know and so this past December the ninth year we did uh, just around 67,000 so that's brought the total to I think it's somewhere around just over 350,000 in, in, um, in uh, nine years so that's pretty neat pretty being neat. that this is going to be your your decade celebration. Do you have yeah, anything December. special planned for this year? Um, well, I, I mean, I guess I'd, I'd be revealing, you know, by answering this question that we are going to do a 10th year. Um, but, you know, it would just be awful and awkward to stop at nine, wouldn't it? Just, all right, that's it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, the, the plan right now is to go forward to, to do 10 to make it a decade, which is great timing because um, the center turns 30 this year. It's the 30th anniversary for the center. Um, so to, to, you know, be there, you know, third of those years, it's, it's special. So, um, a couple ideas I already had my theme, I think lined up, which is, uh, something close to me and special to me. Um, and a, a couple things I probably won't share at this moment, but, um, yeah, I mean, you know, 10th year, you got to do something, some, some extra fun stuff. So yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll do that. We've asked you to be a part of our upcoming Main Live, which is it's a big deal for us here at 75 Market Street, Main Magazine, Love Main Radio. Um, and because we only ask people that we feel very strongly have an important story to share. It's been a commitment for you, though, hasn't it? It has, you know, and um, I mean, it's just, I guess, uh, just in, in who I am, I guess I immediately th say, well, you know, why me? And I mean, is this do, is this something I should be a part of, or really me? Like, why me? And and um, so you know, it, it's been um, it's been experience, just kind of uh, kind of self evaluating a little bit and realizing what I could offer and and why I should be involved, I suppose. But um, you know, I think for me, being on the radio and people hearing my voice and hearing from me every day for you know it's coming just start my 13th year I mean I'm not there full-time now but um, you know uh, in, in, in I've written in publications in town and been part of stuff with you guys and so I you know I, f I feel like maybe people have heard enough from me or you know um, and maybe there's not as much special to talk about I've, I've shared enough with people over the years although I never really get personal on the radio it's just not that was never my style but just feel like people maybe have had enough of me. They heard my voice enough, um, so it's dealing with a little bit of that and realizing, well, no, this 
there's maybe still something that I can talk about here. Maybe there's an angle here that you know hasn't been presented on the radio or in or in print. Um, and and, and I, I suppose that's probably just getting a little more, more personal about me and about growing up and you know uh, who I am now and how I've become to be how I am and whatever I am. Um, and I think in that um, that's something I, I, I I'm, I'm I'm interested to share with people because I think um, um, for me it's not a, a crazy or a wild special story, but. I just um, I think I had good upbringing, and I think um, learned great lessons, and, and I learned great values um, growing up. That um, you know maybe at this time, this day and age, this world um, could be worth sharing with people again, or you know um, exposing again, and having people kind of maybe bring things back to some basics in life right now. And I think maybe maybe I can help pass along some of that. You grew up in Nashua, New Hampshire. Yes, yeah. And you said it's, it's changed a lot since it's grown, then. It's grown quite a bit. It's, uh, you know, in good ways. And, and, and I mean, this. I mean, I, the strip mall situation is insane. It's uh, so much business going on there, but it's right, right across the border. So, you know, you get people coming up from Massachusetts shopping tax-free. And um, so I think that's always been a a pull for Nashua for years but um, Nashua is uh, yeah it's a growing city um, you know it always it almost felt a little bit more like Massachusetts a little bit busier than a New Hampshire city just because there's always been so much going on there and such a huge population and obviously being right there on the borderline you, you're kind of into Massachusetts and you draw from a lot of those folks that come in and work in New Hampshire as well too and vice versa but um no regrets. I didn't have much of a say because I was younger, but um, no regrets. I was, it, was, it was great growing up there. I think uh, I think it was a uh, was a was a good city and, and good good time for me. And then the when it was time to get up and out, then I started making moves and exploring different parts of the Northeast. So and uh, uh, we'd always had ties to Maine with my family. Um, my uh, mom, her side, her aunt and uncle owned a bed and breakfast in Kennebunkport for years and so my mom and her sisters my mom's uh, one of nine so her and her sisters would come up and they'd be chambermaids and work there throughout the summer so she's always had ties to Kennebunk area with her aunt and, aunt and uncle living up there and um, and then you know in the early 80s we started to vacation um, and uh, in kind of the Agunquit Wells kind of area and, um, and my family's had a had a place there for for some years so um and then i ended up going to college uh at st joseph's college you know in the in the early 90s so um you know i've kind of I, I feel like i've been you know very kind of main based i'd say you know for a good part of the past 25 years plus i suppose you know a little bit of time away I took this little little sidestep to new jersey for a minute work in music but um yeah that, that ran its course quick it wasn't uh it was nice to be down there for a minute and to be around the craziness and to be a part of things that i would never be a part of up here um but um it was it was nice to get back to new england especially northern new england i'm i'm kind of more close to that massachusetts seacoast new hampshire maine kind of kind of scene it's 
for some reason it's more New Englandy to me, you know? And being close to the water, I enjoy that. Tell me about your musical taste. It seems like music has been very important to mm. you over the years, and you just you mentioned a variety of different uh, types of music that go on during the markathon, possibly mm -hmm. given other people's tastes. What mm -hmm. about yours? Um, I mean, it may sound cliche to say, but um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of across the board, like a lot of people. Um, you know, um, and I think as you grow along, you know, come along in life, you, you get open to music, and you have people that bring music into your life, and you. You get used to and you grow into, and life kind of plays along with the soundtrack. But for me, when I was early, when I was young in my <laughs> earlier years, I was exposed to such a variety of music at a very young age that I think for me that kept my mind open and kept an appreciation for for music that um, uh, that uh, that I you know that I, that I'll always maintain. I had. Um, you know, uh, big band swing music with my grandparents when I was younger so you know Glenn Miller and Count Basie and and a lot of the singers too you know, Mel Torme and Tony Bennett and Sinatra and um, my mom loved a lot of 50s early rock and roll so Chuck Berry Roy Orbison she liked a lot of the singers too Sarah Vaughn Ella Fitzgerald and stuff so I listened to a lot of that when I was younger my dad always loved a lot of bands with horns because he was kind of a drum and bugle guy so earth wind and fire blood sweat and tears chicago all that stuff um you know wings too and just you know big big bands of great songs a lot when i was younger um one of my cousins was into new wave and disco and kind of post-punk stuff so the the knack blondie um you know devo all this stuff um i had another cousin who was into the classic rock and the corporate rock thing journey cheap trick Boston sticks, all that stuff. So I heard a lot of big rock when I was younger. Um, so, you know, pretty wide range by the time you're like seven years old, right? Um, and then as you get older and you get into school and you're in more social settings with other friends, I'm my friends that are into heavy metal and I'm my friends that I started to break dance with in, you know, 1983, 1984. Um, and the one thing I'm proud of um, is I, you know, never, even at a younger age, I never uh, worried about my musical interests. If I liked something, I liked it. And I didn't make any excuses for it. And I think a lot of people, when they're younger, they're embarrassed to say they like something. And I never felt that way. Um, and uh, and I encourage people to, to try and live that way. Even as they get older, they might feel embarrassed that they're listening to something cheesy. I think you embrace it. If you love music, shout about it. You know, Talk about it. Don't hold back the things that you like. And got to roll the window up and sing along to this, you know, Sheena Easton song or Laura Branigan song. I don't know. Let it out, you know. I think, uh, you know, that's part of the uh, the uh, enjoyment of music is uh, you're singing along, you're letting something out, you're showing that emotion, that spirit. Don't bottle it up, you know. Um, and chances are the other person might like that stuff too and they're not saying anything about it. So I think we've always kind of kind of, um, uh, I think maybe people kind of held their, their cheesy music close to them and not shared it with people. I think you got to share it, you know, but yeah, I, I'm uh, everything. I collect music, so um, um, I'm all over, all over the place, except, you know, once again, maybe I'm not, uh, I'm not uh, the only one in this, but uh, New Country, that's it. 
that's it. I mean, for almost every genre of music, to just have one, I think that's not bad. I just new country. I just can't. I can't do it. And then I see the success of it. I'm blown away. It's unbelievable. There's amazing musicians in it. Um, pretty much everybody in country music looks good. I mean, everything. The guys are handsome. The girls are beautiful. They put on great shows. They're stealing the rock show from the rest of the world. They're putting on fireworks and they get the big stages. You go up to Darling's Waterfront up there and they're doing like all the sellouts are usually country shows. I just I I can't I can't do it. There's just something missing in the music for me. I don't I don't feel it's there's something there's something soulful. There's something there's an honesty. There's something real that I think is lacking for me in that in new country, old country, classic country. Of course, we love Merle Haggard, George Jones. You know, obviously Johnny Cash, Patsy Cline, all that stuff. Um, but that's it. Other than that, jazz, metal. Reggae, soul, Motown, I love. I love oldies, um, 80s, yeah. It, it seems that it used to be that music uh, divided people generationally because of, maybe because of the technology, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know that what I remember of my parents' likings, you know, Simon and Garfunkel and um, I guess the Beatles, and, mm-hmm. and I think of listening to Hey Jude on the turntable, but now it's as if, when I talk to my own children, I mean, they will like things, and I'll be like, oh, I like that too. That's so interesting. Yeah. And I will bring up the name of someone, and I'll say, have you ever heard of this person? They're like, oh, of course, even though the person is, you know, yeah. 30 years old, which I love because it also, it's this interesting new way to connect with people. You know, mm-hmm. the generational divide isn't as kind of stark, I think, as yeah. it once was. Sure, sure. Um you know, I, I like to hope that it's a lot for younger people going back and, and being adventurous and looking for that older stuff. You know, as you get older, when you hear something about it or you hear somebody mention about it or you hear a clip, you start to go back and you research and you find those artists. I like to think it's that. I think that a lot of people, a lot of music is, um, I say revived, but I think you have current artists that may... You know, their sound maybe harks back to people that they were influenced by, and it brings it forward in a new way. And so, if you're, you know, if you're listening to, you know, um, I don't know, I, uh, you know, pull up something, you're listening to Jeff Buckley, you know, recent years, you know, and he has elements of of, of '60s and folk and Led Zeppelin and Nick Drake and, you know, maybe Simon and Garfunkel and all those things. You know, you you kind of take that trip back where you you investigate their influences and what's made them become what they are so i think that uh i think that's something that happens and also i think that you know there's there's a nostalgic thing and there's a throwback love that we have these days that it's kind of cool to go back to look to things that instantly younger people might think is kind of silly and hokey but then when they kind of uncover they go whoa this is actually pretty friggin' cool right uh this stuff sounds great um and um, you know, I think that's a good thing because I, I am, I'm, you know, I'm seeing myself as we go forward with technology and devices and gadgets, and um, I have, I have the stuff. I have players and pods and pads and phones or whatever, um, and I play along with a lot of the the current wave of stuff. But I find myself um, trying to uh, 
constantly hold on to things too that kind of connects me to what was before and what was maybe a little bit more real. And um, I think, you know, you see more record shops opening up, places that sell old video games and old comic books and things like that. I think those things are going to grow as we go forward. Um, I think that people still like to somehow have their hand on the opportunity to still, say, live in the past, but still, um, you know, enjoy those things that we enjoyed before. I think we're a lot of this technology comes with this kind of swipe and erase mentality of like, what's next? Nope, that's done in a way with, nope, you can't have that anymore. Uh, no way, you know? Um, I can live with having a million songs on my phone for convenience, but if I'm sitting at home or if I'm with some friends, I kind of want to put on that record that's going to sound better. I'm really intrigued to hear what you're going to talk about at Main Live, which is coming up very soon. Um, for people who are interested, we will make available links to your to the Center for Grieving Children and the Markathon information. Of course, that'll be next December, but we're all going to be waiting with you know bated <laughs> breath to see what happens on the tenth anniversary. Yeah. I really appreciate um, this conversation, the time you've taken to come in, the time you've taken to do Main Live with us because it's a very important and um, I think there's something about just the the story that people put so much effort into so anyone who's listening who wants to to hear more about you mark curdo can come to main live i've been speaking with mark curdo who's been hosting the markathon his annual week-long radio show fundraiser for the center for grieving children since 2008 thanks a lot thank you love main radio is brought to you by the front room the corner room the grill room and boone's fish house and oyster room Chef Harding Lee Smith's restaurants where atmosphere, great service, and palate-pleasing options are available to suit any culinary mood. For more information, go to theroomsportland.com. Portland Art Gallery is proud to sponsor Love Main Radio. Portland Art Gallery is Portland's largest gallery and is located in the heart of the Old Port at 154 Middle Street. The gallery focuses on exhibiting work of contemporary Maine artists and hosts a series of monthly solo shows in its newly expanded space. The current show schedule includes Nancy Simmons, Elizabeth Hoy, and many more. For complete show details, please visit our website, artcollectormaine.com. Today it is my great pleasure to have with me David Tete, who was born in the Congo and graduated from Chevers High School. He has taken classes at the University of Southern Maine and is the founder of Kesho Wazo, a youth art collective in Portland. Kesho Wazo means tomorrow's ideas in Swahili. And with David, I have Isaiah Taylor, who is a Portland-based musician. Thanks so much for coming in. Thank you for having Thanks. me. So you're doing good things here in Portland, both uh, of you. Yeah, you could say that. Yeah? Yeah. Well, you come highly recommended from Adam Burke and other members of the community, yeah. and obviously the work you're doing with Kesho Wazo. Mm -hmm. Am I pronouncing that yeah, correctly? Yeah, you're pronouncing it correctly. Okay, yeah. all right. Um, Adam, is a, he's a good mentor of mine. Um, he works with uh, like teen TED Talks. Actually, he reached out to me after the visual we had, and he took me. We had we had coffee, and we kind of talked about like um, just my life and like my high school and how I started Kishawazo. And he's really surrounded me with like the right people, like like this. Like he really he connected me with Paul, and, and he's given me a lot of opportunity. So yeah. So why is art so important? Why why do something like what you've done with Kishawazo? Um, well, art wasn't always, like, important to me. Like, it wasn't always, like, my fo uh, my first priority. 
um, in high school, I was mainly focused on basketball, and I didn't really like see myself in the arts. But although arts was in my family, like my mom is a fashion designer, uh, her dad was a painter, and like art is in my family. But I saw myself doing other things, and because because basketball wasn't really like the path I wanted to go down, and just seeing that like I like fashion, I like clothes, and like I wanted to. I wanted to bring something that kids can come and be creative, not just with art, but like with themselves. And art was something that I found I could express myself with. So I was like, all right, I wanna, I wanna do this. I wanna make this platform for everybody to come do everything that they wanna do. And I feel like art here, especially, we have a culture. We have, we have the right culture to do it. We have a diverse culture. There's a lot of kids that are multi-talented and stuff like that. And so why not the arts? Isaiah, is that how you know David? Um, I actually knew him through basketball. Yeah. And after like three or four years, once I saw him start getting involved, it was just kind of natural. He just did, he was doing everything by himself. And this is actually a funny story behind that. He's not gonna tell it, but so we grew, when I was growing up in high school, like he, he was a senior when I was a freshman. And I used to hang out with him and his friends. Like I was kind of like the youngest one. Like I was the youngest one, and like they all used to like pick on me. But he was like kind of like my big brother. Like he would like mentor me. Be like, I right, like do this, do that. But over the t like after he graduated, we kind of we didn't really lose contact, but we stopped seeing each other. He was kind of like in New York and stuff like that. But after the visual we had in July this summer, I had a visual and um, there was a uh, p the paper came out, Poland Press Herald, and I was on the cover. And the first person to call me in the morning was Isaiah. He was like, "Oh, he called me. He's like, yo, I, I missed, I missed his call. Like, I didn't pick up his call. And then he called me. He's like, oh, like, so you answering now? You think you, you think you, you think you Hollywood now or something?" And I was like, "Nah, I just, I didn't answer. I couldn't, I couldn't answer." And like after that, we met up, and he's just like, "I see what you're doing, and like, I wanna, I wanna help you. I wanna mentor you. So like, that's, I feel like, yeah, that's the story behind it." Yeah. Better told by him. Yeah. <laughs> well, and from what I understand from David, you are a superstar. Yeah. Um, trying to get there. <laughs> Working well, my way there. Tell me about your music. Um, I've been rapping for probably like five, six years. Um, started in high school. Um, it's always been kind of natural. I've been just surrounded by music my whole life. My mom was a singer. Um, but yeah. I was kind of, when I was in high school, I was kind of the only one doing my own music, independently recording myself, singing, rapping, whatever it was, making beats or whatever. Um, so it's kind of like my position um, within this whole thing with Keisha Wazo, even, even though I'm not, um, I try to stay away from decision making. I try to let him make most of the decisions. But when it comes to music, I have like, I just add a certain touch because I've been um, traveling for a little while in Boston, New York, or Florida, and things like that, doing shows. So I have other experiences that I feel like I can bring back to Portland and show and then kind of educate the the youth about and about how, because um, music is art at the end of the day. So it's all about perception and we have different perceptions on art and music, even though they're kind of similar mm -hmm. in the same type of thing, so. And when I think of music in Portland, I think of my first, first person that comes to mind is is him, because in high school, I remember all my friends being like, oh, like, 
did you hear Isaiah's new song, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yo, I heard it like 30 days before you. Like, I already heard it before you. And just in terms of like Kesho Wazo, Kesho Wazo is, it's, it's, it's everything in the sense that it's everything that influ that's influential. Music right now is probably the most influential thing for young people, you know what I mean? And I want, we want to change how music is viewed, how, particularly how black men are viewed through music, you know what I mean? We have a different story to tell and we want to tell that story about Portland through our music. And it's really hard, I feel like we're isolated in a way because people look at Maine like, oh, like there's not really many artists from Maine. There's not many really like um, people that do rhythm and poetry from Maine, rap, like rap in Maine, you know what I mean? They're kind of outcasted. Like even locally, people will be like, well, like they wouldn't particularly listen to a local artist, you know what I mean? And so like, that's where like his, his mentorship is helping me express, he's helping me grow with my music, but also helping the whole community, helping other people understand that we're not just local artists. You know, we're not just local musicians. We have a story to tell. We want to tell the story about men. Yeah. So what is your story? Um, I'm just, it's crazy. That's, that's a deep question. It depends on where you want to start. Where do you want to start with that? Well, you what can take it however you want to. Um, my story is, so I immigrated to this country when I was two years old with my mother and my two sisters. And Growing up, I never really had a father figure in my life, and I was kind of that outcast, weird kid who was always doing what he wasn't supposed to do. Like, kids that, kids were playing basketball, and I was doing taekwondo. Kids were playing soccer, and I was skateboarding with my white friends, you know what I mean? I was always, I was always a misfit, kind of, and I feel like that, it developed my mind to like, I really, I really feel like I'm an individual. Like, I think for myself, I won't, like peer pressure is not something that I had to like deal with, you know what I mean? Like I feel like people were mostly peer pressured into like doing things that I wanted to do, you know what I mean? Like my friends were always trying to do what I wanted to do and that I didn't really understand that up until like high school understand that hey, you can be influential in a way that's positive. Like I don't want to be popular for picking on people. I don't want to be popular for that. I want to be I want to use what I have to like tell the story and my story right now is developing in a way that I can help other people's story be told through Kesho Wazo. Growing up was really hard for me without without having that outlet of a male figure, but my mom really was strong and she, like without her I wouldn't be where I am right now. I kind of went off topic with that question, so that's crazy, I'm gonna stop right there. But yeah, I guess my story is just, I'm a young indigo trying to, I'm searching for, I'm searching for energy to give energy and 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 just spread peaceful vibes. I guess. Yeah. So, what do you think is the the view of young black men in music? You you reference that. Yeah. Um. Well, because he's an artist, I want because I, but I'm an artist too. But I want I want to hear I want to hear what you have to say, and then I'm gonna second that because. Um, the views of young black men. Well, I'm just. I, I think yeah. what perception. David was saying is that there's a, there's a perception. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So what do you? What is the perception that you're working with? Um, for me, what I noticed is it's kind of black or white, not color, but it's kind of you're either here or here. It's like you're representing negative. Um, I don't know, negative actions and sort of things that we're trying to get away from. 
or you have to be completely all the way conscious and all the way maybe even pop type music like things that everybody's trying to forget about this stuff so you have to make music that is completely opposite of that so it's like you either have to be kind of talking about it and bringing attention to it or just kind of dismissing it altogether um besides that it's just kind of in our community as well it's not only like in the outside community in our own community it's kind of just like we have these certain expectations that it has to be you have to fit into one type of box so that's why me and him coming together is is better because i'm more on like an artist side or not a, well a musician side and he's like more on like a creative fashion type of thing but that is not really not not accepted but it's not really normal in mm -hmm. this side of music you know what i mean so that's why it's kind of like even just me and him collaborating and connecting and sharing our ideas and talking yeah. through conversation and energy and whatever we're we're making each other better mm -hmm. so it's like me as an artist i'm being able to lean more in the middle now like i'm actually getting pieces from this side pieces from this side i understand how these people live and i understand how these people live and why they think these people live wrong and it's like so i'm trying to bridge the gap myself and he's helping me do mm -hmm. that so it's like i don't know we're just trying to break down the barriers kind of i see that to me i feel like as a young black we said rapper right like as a rapper they want not they want you but it's not all right so for me i haven't released any of my music like he's he hasn't not he hasn't let me but it's not the right time for me to release music right now because it's too much for people people will be like well why are you trying to do everything well they wouldn't understand like what i'm saying you know not even what i'm saying but it would just be like too much but oh like he's trying to rap now too like i'm doing art i'm doing like fashion all this stuff it's people are going to be like well he's trying to be like he's trying to be kanye west they're not going to understand they're not going to listen to the words that i'm saying you know what i mean especially because i'm not i'm not swearing i'm not using i'm not like your typical you know what i mean i'm not talking about stuff that i don't do i'm saying real life stuff like i'm saying stuff that i truly believe is real and if you're not playing to people's ears sometimes you're gonna be outcasted you know what i mean like my voice is not gonna be held to that standard like they're gonna be like well he's kind of not playing the role that we expected him to so we're not gonna you know it's not the time to, for him to release music and that's something that i really want to change because i feel like it has nothing to do with the people who can it, it, i mean it has everything to do with the people before me i respect all the artists that came before me but they made it hard for me to do what i have to do to they made it hard for me to bring up that platform of my, my music you know what i mean and it's even hard around my friends bringing up that i make music because they're like man like what else like again like something new you know what i mean but it's like nah music has always been a part of me um i remember like from kindergarten on up i was the drum i've always played the drums and like kind of how I got into music I always I always like freestyling like I was always the one like when the beat would come on I'd like freestyle blah 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 and then it's crazy when the first time he picked me up after the visual I was like I was really really excited to show him that like I can I can sing I can make music I was like listen like I played a beat for him and I, I remember I sang the whole thing like I I rapped it for him he's like wow like you have a lot of potential blah 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 and like 
that's not something you hear off the rip like from people people will be like well you sh- it's it's mostly it's mostly negative first and it was just positive and i feel like that's what it, it has to be like that it has to be positive it has to be positive feedback first yeah i don't know so tell me about um keisha wazo it means tomorrow's ideas in swahili yes so w- what what are you thinking what what are tomorrow's ideas and are they are they things that you have yourself mm. or they have things that you're gathering from yeah. the people who are involved well, K- Kisha Wazo developed um, around this time last year when I was a senior in high school. Um, like I said, I want basketball. I thought would be my passion. Thought would be like the area that I'd pursue, and that didn't really work out because of like um, playing time and certain situations that just didn't fall my, my way. And I was kind of I was going through a rough time, you know, um, just figuring out like what was I what what can I do with my life like. I literally thought I was going to the NBA and hitting that reality, like that hit me. Like I could literally end up on the news, be another be another stat, you know what I mean? Like how can I make my life positive? And I kind of developed in my mind, well, I like I like being with my friends. I like being with a, a collective group of people, but how can I create a platform for kids to do positive things? And I asked my mom how to say tomorrow's ideas in Swahili and she was just like, Kesha Waza. And I was like, wow, like I can run with that. Like I really, I can go with that. So Kesha Wazo, it first developed as kind of like a high school, a high school thing. I asked a couple kids in my school who were, I kind of felt like were outcasts too, were kind of misfits, like not a lot of people understand them. And we made a poster um, symbolizing Black History Month. It was, I wanted the poster to be black to symbolize Black History Month, but I wanted to put different facts about the whole world on it, you know, like black, like it's a month to just educate yourself not just about a certain particular race you should educate yourself on everything all the stuff that's happening so I'll be, that's the first project we worked on but Kesha Wazo it's a group of like 25 kids that um, it's an art collective slash, I call it a group of superheroes kids that we are tomorrow's generation we are tomorrow's generation we have ideas to offer to the world to 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 grow and to just to make this world a better place. There's a lot of bad things going on and kids don't really have a good platform to express themselves and say, no, these are the things that I want to change. Usually it's adults like who are in charge of these groups, who are giving the rules, okay, we're doing this today. And Gisho Wazo is a place where kids can just be like, okay, I had this idea, how can we make it come to reality? Gisho Wazo is youth, the youth's imagination meeting reality. That's how I would describe it. What do you think, Isaiah? What do you think about all of this? Does it seem like there's a lot of energy and a lot of creativity going into something that's still kind of in its early stages of being formed? Yeah, definitely. Um, One of the main focuses, we're just trying to find ways to stay busy in Portland. Um, He's been doing way more art walks than he'll give himself credit for and (laughs) fashion shows and releasing different clothes, like making these clothes and then releasing them with his logo on them or from scratch with his mom's help. So it's like those things are getting people interested and getting the community to start being involved. And he he's starting to have real influence in the community. And whenever he, like he threw a party. Uh, yeah, that was crazy. Years. It was a New Year's party. And it was like over like 600 people, like 200 people lined up outside. And it was yeah. just like, but they all came for Keisha Wazo, like to come to the Keisha Wazo event. So it's like, people know what Keisha Wazo stands for. They know it means tomorrow's ideas and they know 
the history of it and they know the background. I mean, like our our peers, like they know what it's really about. It's just kind of getting them um, to stand on the front lines, engage, with us and yeah. engage. Yeah. So it's like it's hard because it's a mindset. You know what I mean? And it's like it changes every day. It 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 develops every day. You know what I mean? Like I didn't understand what type of influence I had up until that party. Like I remember. So we're driving up to the party. The party started at 10, and I get there, like, at 9.30-something. And there's a line, like, going around the corner. And I look at him, and I'm like, what? <laughs> I was just like, what is going on? I didn't understand. Like, I didn't think that people would come. You know what I mean? And that made me realize, like, there's a need for this in this city. Like, this city in particular, not anywhere else. Like, this city is so diverse and has so much culture to it and... This mindset Kishowazo is needed for kids to understand that even if you're not in Kishowazo, you are still are tomorrow's idea because you you are young and you have ideas. You can do anything you want. And that's what I want kids to understand is like even if you're not affiliated with us, you're not with us that like just because you don't have a platform, you can cre- you can create your own. You know, in the mission statement it says if you don't like the books, the clothes, and the sports you have, like, create your own. You can do anything you want. And that's not what they're telling us at school. There's not many teachers that told me my potential. Like, the article that came out in Portland Press-Herald, I failed four classes my fr- my first year at Chevrolet. Four classes. I couldn't play basketball anymore. And I failed many more after that, too. But, like, by the grace of God, I'm, I'm here having this interview talking about something that, like, this is my, this is my dreams are coming true right now, you know? Like, this is that... I'm I'm enjoying life right now, you know, and I want every kid to feel this. I want every kid to feel like they're not isolated, they're not in that box. And that's that's Kesha Wazo. It's it's really it's it's hard to it's hard for me at times because I don't realize like what I have, what resources I have, you know, and and that's where like this relationship helps me so much because it'll be like no because he's older and he's lived he's lived longer than me and he's an artist himself so he knows how to deal with certain situations and it's like, well, you can't, you can't go to this part. You can't go to this party and hang out with your friends on a Friday night because you have to, you have to work on this event coming up. You know what I mean? And that's things that I'm really, I wasn't used to. You know what I mean? Like now it's like okay, like not like I said, I have a calendar, I have a schedule, I have to do certain things to get to to get to where I want to be because I feel like we haven't, we just getting started. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is it, is it interesting to try to? Um figure out your own life versus being at Chevrolet or really any school where somebody says you do this and then you do this then you do this and now you're in a situation like Isaiah you've been in for the past four years where if you're an artist you have to be self-motivated to create and to promote and to organize Mm -hmm. what's that what is that transition like I guess either one of you can answer that question relatively Yeah. yeah I guess I'll start so Honestly, that's something that, that was the biggest change. Having so much control on my day-to-day life and the people I surround myself with and organizing and promoting, that is, it's a lot, it's a lot of, it's a lot of power that you have inside and you just have to find it. Like you said, the self-motivation part, that's really hard to be self-motivated. And it's, I, I, the thing that keeps me grounded is just, remember the vision remember that like sometimes i'll get really depressed i'll be like wow like these kids aren't seeing what i'm trying to doing like the group is not listening blah 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 but it's like 
well, it's going to take time and the vision. Not everyone understands the vision like when it's out, when it's like right there in their face. It's going to maybe it's going to take me to go um, like go away from maybe. You know what I mean? It's going to take time for people to understand and just managing myself at like I was 17 when all this started. You know what I mean? I had no idea how to answer emails and like PR team and like tweet and all that stuff. It's all stuff that I had to learn. And I feel like that's that's good. It was awesome, you know what I mean? I went I went to USM for the first semester and like I feel like I'm getting in just these past like 6 months, I've gotten so much experience that it's going to help me down the line forever, you know what I mean? Um one of the best one of the one of my favorite things that I've ever worked on was I got to collab with this artist from Detroit um who he goes by the name of Yourself and his pay, he we worked on a project on gentrification in Portland because there's a huge like housing gentrification crisis and I live on Munjoy Hill. And so we collabed, um, I took some photos of areas that are being gentrified and we made a, a visual installation at Space Gallery. And that to me is when I saw that I was like, wow, like I'm not even in art school. Like I'm not even like, there's kids right across the street at Mecca who like would go their whole lives for this and I have this opportunity to do this. Like that's when I realized like, I, I gotta stop playing around like this is I gotta we gotta go harder from here like, I have to be on top of emails I have to be on top of every message and just learning that it's really hard but I'm lucky I have the right people around me to help me and keep me motivated yeah I guess that's it um I just think I was always a believer that education never stopped mm -hmm. once you leave the classroom so it's like I made a conscious decision to not go to college when I graduated because I knew I had been studying music and per pursuing music for like two years before that. So my mom um, eventually understood that I could really just, like if I'm in this field of music, rapping, engineering music, producing music and things like that, it's experience. It's not going and sitting down and having somebody even in a classroom with a professor that studies music because I've been in certain studios and certain places where people will sit me down and be like, yeah, like, I understand what you're trying to do, but I don't think you should go to school for that. Like, people have literally told me, like, don't. Um, I went to American, I think it's AI, I forget what's the actual name of it, but it's like a college for music. And I went to, um, to visit there and was thinking about a scholarship and things like that, but... I just realized I'm never gonna really make progress in, until I learn how to do it on my own. Like school will help you how to test your own limits and teach you like what you, you yourself can handle. And then after school, it's just kind of like, you already know these things, you already know yourself, you're already comfortable in your own skin or whatever it is. So like, it just takes time to develop like an actual schedule and actual like, workload that you're gonna attack at a certain time and things like that you have to be stay on schedule stay make sure if you're if you're not if you don't have a system um behind you and making sure you do these things like make sure you have monthly goals mm -hmm. six month goals three month goals like daily goals like things like that so it's like things like that help me to just stay busy and to just yeah. stay productive i think and one of the biggest things that I feel like has helped me is um, networking, just like really putting yourself out there. A lot of people are like, 
when they're in opportunity, say like they're at an art event or something, like they'll just sit and like look at art. If I don't meet at least 10 people or get at least like some business cards or something or tell people, hey, listen, this is Kesha Waza, like this is what I'm doing, then I feel like there's there's no point in me going to the event if you're not sharing like what you are. That's how you that's how most opportunities come, you know what I mean? That's how that's how I met Erin. That's how this like she came to an event that we had and was like, Hey, like I wanna work on a project on gentrification in Portland, like this is what I'm doing, like, can we do that? And then it developed into like a, a documentary that she's filming of Kesha Waza for one year and like that would have never happened if I was like sheltered, like oh well, Kesha Waza. Nah, like I make, I don't make. Sh I try to really like articulate and talk to people as much as I can, even if it, like it's uncomfortable for me. I feel like that's the only way I can grow, and it's it's really hard sometimes because like like nowadays I used to be able to go and skate down Congress Street and just like no one like no one knows me. I'm not saying like, I'm like a celebrity or anything, but like it's like it's hard to go places now and like have to talk to everybody when I'm like trying to say I'm trying to just be with my friends and like eat something like people will try to talk and like do whatnot and it's it's like man like I was not used to that that's the hardest thing to get used to just always being ready and like like respectful to people but I enjoy it and you're talking about Aaron Aaron's been in the studio yeah with us and she's the been yeah. filming so yeah. she's a professor at Colby College and she's done lots of film herself and like I think through this film I've grown to I just seeing how um, the people just how we got to the point where someone is documenting this because I always like well like the future is going to be tell the future is going to be televised but now it's this is literally it's being televised like so I, kn I know we're going we're on the right track if when Aaron, once Aaron came along, I'm like, all right, we're good. We got this. <laughs> so for and people who are interested in watching this documentary someday, Aaron's yeah. last name is? Aaron Murphy. Aaron Murphy. See, I know. See it. Um, and I think we're going to, we're really close. We work closely with Space Gallery, so the film will probably be shown there. Or whatever Aaron wants to do. It's up to Aaron. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I appreciate the um, time that I've had to yeah. spend with both of you. I've been speaking with David Tete, who is the founder of Keisha Wazo, and also with Isaiah Taylor, who is a Portland-based musician, although I, I'm kind of thinking you're probably going to go beyond the Portland. Yeah. Portland-based. Yeah. Someday, someday bigger. Yeah. I think bigger things are in store for both of you. Wow. I really appreciate your taking Thank the time you. to come in. Thank you so Thank much you. for giving this opportunity. Thank you for May Magazine, and Thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. I'm really thankful for it. Appreciate it. Definitely. You have been listening to Love Main Radio, show number 288, Community Connectors. Our guests have included Mark Curdo, Isaiah Taylor, and David Tete. For more information on our guests and extended interviews, visit lovemainradio.com. Love Main Radio is downloadable for free on iTunes. For a preview of each week's show, sign up for our e-newsletter and like our Love Main Radio Facebook page. Follow me on Twitter as Dr. Lisa and see our Love Main Radio photos on Instagram. We love to hear from you, so please let us know what you think of Love Main Radio. We welcome your suggestions for future shows. Also, let our sponsors know that you have heard about them here. We are privileged that they enable us to bring Love Main Radio to you each week. This is Dr. Lisa Belial. I hope that you have enjoyed our Community Connectors show. Thank you for allowing me to be a part of your day. May you have a bountiful life. Love, Maine Radio is made possible with the support of Berlin City Honda, The Rooms by Harding Lee Smith, Maine Magazine, Portland Art Gallery, and Art Collector Maine.
Audio production and original music have been provided by Spencer Albee. Our editorial producer is Paul Koenig. Our assistant producer is Shelby Wasik. Our community development manager is Casey Lovejoy. And our executive producers are Kevin Thomas, Rebecca Falzano, and Lisa Belisle. For more information on our host's production team, Maine Magazine, or any of the guests featured here today, please visit us at lovemainradio.com.